Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 35-year-old from Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. His hockey journey took him to Canada, the USA, Northern Ireland, and Wales. He is another mighty bulldog from Ferris State, pod favorites, laced up for 330 HL games. Best known for his time in the EIHL, I think, though, with 213 points, 93 goals, and 205 games played. Former captain of the Belfast Giants, second-team All-Star, two-time Challenge Cup champion, and a league champion. Don't even think they're playing that night. But um, And he was a Spengler Cup champion for Team Canada and another player to meet me when I was naked. Welcome to the podcast, Blair Riley. Yeah, what an intro! That's that's nice, Wall. You you're on what episode sixty something? You're getting you're getting yeah. pretty good with those. That that sounds smooth. I try to improve. You know, it's like you know when you're in hockey, you try to get better every time, right? Or every season, you try. Who were uh, the other uh, Fair State Bulldogs you've had on? Rob Collins, my uh, my favorite player as a child when he played for my hometown team. Um, he played uh, well before your time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jeff Legui. Yep. He was a bit before my time, but getting closer. Yep. Um, yeah, you're after my four years, I guess. And uh, I didn't know any of the players you played with at Ferris. Yeah, I guess uh, Zach Redman would be probably the most well-known He's, uh, he's got a decent, well, he's, he's still playing. He's in Munich right now, but he, he got a good number of games in the NHL with uh, Winnipeg and, and Colorado. And Chad Billens had a, had a cup of coffee with the Flames and, and a good career in Europe as well. So it'd probably be the most well-known okay. Bulldog yeah. from my Yeah, era. I'm too old, I guess. You're younger than me. Because, um, uh, yeah, I knew Legui, and then Collins was about five years older than me, but like a guy I looked up to as a kid and that's how I had him on but um seems like I mesh with Bulldogs though the Fair State boys seem not far off from the Western Michigan boys yeah they you know what we weren't the uh the most talented squad but we were uh easily the the most beefy in in the weight room we were we looked like a, a football weightlifting team and we had a wicked group of guys so they're they're still some of my best friends from from that that crew there and we're all a little bit older like I was I was uh 20 I was turning 21 November of my freshman year so I was like an old know, freshman was, yeah I was I was the only one in the dorms that could that could actually buy drinks and stuff so yeah I, and I don't get been, in trouble buying every drinks at that well, point I wasn't eh? buying any drinks for anyone else but I could have right mm, yeah yeah, yeah I'm 
sure. Um, okay. Well, we got to get into this. How we know each other is, um, well, like I mentioned, um, well, I guess I, I reached out to you on LinkedIn is how uh, I got into it. Cause I saw you, uh, you ended it and got into uh, the business world. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, I guess we should talk about the night we met, right? I mean, I was hoping we weren't going to have to talk about it, but we don't have to. I mean, <laughs> we, it's been talked about enough. <laughs> Has it been? I, I listened to I listened to Dicko's uh, episode. We didn't. Uh, Evan Mosey talked about it a bit, but you know, he was he didn't play that night. You were playing. Um, yeah. So so Dixon gave the full rundown. I, I mean, the the funniest part of it all was was seeing you go from the dressing room being like the naked guy to not even like, not even five minutes later, you're out doing a ceremonial puck drop. Uh We were laughing on the bench thinking like if these fans knew what was going on five minutes before this. Yeah. I saw No, you guys were on the blue line for the, like, yeah, for the whole thing. And I remember getting dressed up and then I was standing there and they're having like a video tribute and it's like showing my kids and like <laughs> family guy at that. You guys just see me running around naked. So yeah. Hey, jack of all trades. And that would have been probably your first time with the fan section. Cause this would have been the first year that, that Cardiff did that. And you were, uh, you were leading the charge. You're in the middle of the whole thing. Well, I just trying to support the club, you know, they took care of me and um, I just was trying to give back, you know, and they were trying to get the standing section going. I just, I thought maybe it would help out, you know, maybe get things going block 13. You know what, that, that was, uh, that was a great little experiment. You could see it took a, you know, a little bit to, to kind of get going and, and everyone to get organized with it. But once it got rolling, like those fan sections, it's a lot more of a European thing. You don't see it in, in Canada really, or, or the U S it just brings so much more to, to the games and stuff. And no, you're right. And it's not really an EIHL thing either, because like, there's no set area where it's like all standing. And like in Germany, there'd be an area where it's just all standing and they got drums and flags and they got sometimes flares and like the SWAT police there. It's quite wild. Yeah, you, Belfast had a had a great fan section, and didn't they have cheerleaders? Yeah, they had cheerleaders. Um, it just kind of adds a little bit more excitement and a little more entertainment. You know, the the fan experience over here sometimes is it's a little bit lacking in that department. You know, you, you're out for a good night out. You're you're there to have some fun, like let loose, ball, support your team, be. Yeah, take take we, your top off, grab a flag, <laughs> get naked and scream. Like you're not going to see your coworkers again at work on Monday. I did. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But at least, you know, you were back. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I had forgot the game had changed so much. Cause as soon as I grabbed that flag and I was topless in the crowd and then there was like a thousand iPhones on me, I was like, Oh dear, that was not a good decision, but moving on. You also got an MBA playing in the UK. Did you do that in Cardiff or Belfast? No, I did that in Belfast. Uh, that was kind of a, I guess, a big draw to the UK for me. And I think a lot of guys towards, not even their end of the careers now, a lot of guys are going, you know, early 30s, you know, sometimes even just to get a jump start foot in the door because the league's improved so much. But that was uh, my first two years I did, 
I did my master's in Belfast, did it part-time and um, yeah, I found kind of, I hadn't been in university since 2010. So it was, it was kind of the way for me to, to get back into studying and, and start looking at, at transitioning into, you know, when I was going to be finished playing, but uh, super glad I did it and, and super glad I took the opportunity to go over and, and play and, and do university at the same time. Yeah, I think every guy that has the opportunity, like they're pretty high end players now getting those MBAs, like everybody wants to go to the UK and those MBAs are uh, like, it's, you, you, you got to do it if you get the opportunity, um, which I guess we'll get into is uh, where and what are you doing now? Because the MBA came in handy. Eh? You, you got a good job, right? Because I see it on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn means it's official. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I, I was, I, I was on a two year deal with Cardiff. So I, I had another year that I was planning to go back and play. Um, obviously the pandemic hit and, you know, it wiped out that year, but I didn't know until probably, I don't know, probably into August that it, it wasn't looking like the UK was going to go probably earlier than that, but I was still, um, you know, Todd gave permission to, to look around at other leagues um I had some other opportunities but the more I kind of looked into it it just it just didn't feel like anything else that I wanted to pursue I, I enjoyed my time in the UK and uh if they weren't going to play I, I didn't feel like going anywhere else and having my my last year kind of be somewhere that I, I didn't really want to be playing and you had decided it was your last year uh no I, I hadn't really made a decision I guess the best thing to come from the pandemic is the decision was made for me. You know, a lot of guys probably uh, stick around longer than they should. And I might've been one of them. Like, um, you know, your, your health becomes a factor. Um, you know, your performance starts to, starts to slide. It gets tougher to go train. It gets tougher to, to play the games. And it just, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, now that I've had some time to look back, it was probably the best thing for me. So it, it kind of gave me the, the kick in the ass to start looking into the next opportunity and, and what I was going to do after. Uh, so I, you know, I built my first resume. I hadn't, you know, I haven't ever had to pass out a resume other than uh, my hockey DB before, before I quit playing. So I did that. And like you said, LinkedIn, I started reaching out to some things I might be interested in and, um, I got pretty lucky that uh, I have a cousin in town who's a, a pretty smart girl and, and she had started a project management company uh, and had been doing really well and she offered me an opportunity. I didn't know anything about project management. I, you know, I was taking a leap. What was your master's in? So I actually did, I actually did sports management. And I had intended to get into next out. Yeah, there you go. Cheers. Cheers. I had planned to, uh, to get into player agency. I, I wanted to represent guys. Um, you, you, some in Europe, I started into it a little bit. I saw it on LinkedIn. It said you were used to be an agent. Yep. So I was uh, part of my internship through the sports management program was, um, for the dissertation, you had to get an internship and then you wrote the dissertation based on the experience. So <clears throat> Jason Krog and, and Derek Becker were, uh, two teammates that played at UNH. Um, 
and Steve Thornton, actually the GM in, in Belfast, kind of reached out to them and uh, got me in touch and said they were looking for some help. And they offered me a just kind of a start and got my foot in the door. And that was kind of, that was my, my plan was to get into player agency. I was thinking that I was going to do it in North America. Um, but this, this opportunity came. From so did you have any players? Yeah, I did, but it was, it was mostly through like their contacts. So they would have all their, uh, players I, well, I tried to, camp. I tried to recruit Joey Martin and I tried to become an agent. My first training camp in Cardiff, I said, Joey, I want to be your agent. And he turned me down. I'm your guy. And he probably said, I, and I never got into being an agent just because Joey turned me down. If not, who knows what could happen. Joey. Knows. And that is kind of how it goes. But the more I looked into it, you know, it, especially in North America, you're recruiting kids at 13, 14 years old. And they don't turn professional till, you know, and then least. they, and then they can leave you and go to a different person before, yeah. when they get paid. Yeah. So it's maybe, you know, a five-year commitment with some of these kids and that it's just not really, I don't believe in the business model. I, I don't think you should be recruiting kids at that age. It kind of seems almost like predatory a little bit. Um, you're taking advantage of, of some kids and, and making promises to them that you you can't fulfill because you have no idea how they're going to turn out. Um, so if I could have gotten to the stage where I was like a profitable agent, I would have loved the career. Yeah. So, it sounds like a great job when you actually have the guys that like are signing deals that are making you some money. But like, I know they're like the agent I had over in Europe for a while. Um, like it took him years of like really suffering to get to where he was. Yep. Yeah. It's, so some of the European guys, you can, you can get a quick jump because you're grabbing guys that are in North America and they're transitioning to Europe and you know, you're, you're making a commission right away. you uh, North America's, it can be different a different animal. Yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, there's other ways, I guess, if you piggybacked off another agent that was, you know, getting a bit older and he, and he sent you some business or, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways to do it, I guess, but I just, well, again, I, I didn't, you know, circumstance, I, I didn't have a full 16 months. There was no one playing anyway. So it wasn't like I couldn't be recruiting kids. No one was playing hockey for that time. And uh, I, I jumped in the project management thing and I, I just started to love it. So it, it kind of fit exactly with what I was doing in university. I did a uh, business administration uh, undergrad at, at Ferris and it was it was basically project management related. So I just hadn't been introduced to the specifics of it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's different getting into the real world. I'm glad you love it. That's great, man. There's not that many guys out there that are saying they love their jobs now. So that's great. Um, and is that a mountain behind your shoulder? That's a mountain. Yeah. Well, I'm in BC Wally. Like, well, I don't have those around here. That's cool. We're, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a tough summer with, with where in BC. Art. So I'm, I'm in Kamloops. Um, yeah. So yeah. Forest fires. Forest What's that fires. been like? It's been bad. They, uh, this has been one of the first clear days we've had, you know, the majority of the summer, pretty much from like Canada day hit and you could see the fires just sparking up. It's just been a crazy hot and dry summer. And really the last five years we've been, we've been hit with forest fires in, in BC and it's, it's been bad, man. People, 
people have been uh, put in some bad situations and losing property and, and losing their, their livestock and shit, but that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the smoke's just a byproduct. So. Okay. Well that sucks. Hopefully everything improves and that shit stops. Um, but when it's beautiful, BC is right. I've never been out there. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I've just seen, you know, like stuff like this in the background. When I talk to guys like Justin Kelly out there and um, there's a lot of beautiful places I see in the backgrounds. Yeah, no, it's, it's a nice spot. It's a nice, nice area to grow up. So. Uh, okay. Here we go then. Cause this goes right into the start of this thing is growing up in Kamloops. What, what's this town like and how many people are there? Let me know. I don't, I got to say, Wally, I actually am born and raised in Chase, which is about okay. 45 minutes east of Kamloops. And so, how big is that one? Tiny. It's about 2,500 people, tops, small town. Didn't even have a rink growing up in, in Chase, so that's why I had to come to Kamloops. We would we would commute from, from Chase and, and play on the rep teams in town here. And the winter's drive might not have been that good then? Well, I don't know because I would get in the car and I would just go to sleep. My dad would, you know, <laughs> get you, get you there. Yeah. Oh yeah. He'd wake me up at, I don't know, four in the morning and I'd, I'd fucking bitch and complain after he's already swept the car and shoveled the driveway and he's got to drive me to a freezing cold rink and I'd just complain. It's, it's crazy it's, looking back you, on it, isn't it? You know, you just, he's probably gritting his teeth. Like you, you son of a you bitch. little prick. No, yeah, no, I never do that now with my nine year old. You know, like you just have no idea how lucky you are. Um, but I, I certainly appreciate it now that uh, I've gotten a little older and, and realized the sacrifice it took because it was. Well, it's, it's not just hockey, though. It's everything parents do, man. There's a lot to it. <laughs> it's like, you know, not just hockey, man. There's, as soon as you start wiping asses, it's a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so then how big's Kamloops then now that is that where you're living now and that's where you yeah. played minor hockey mainly or yeah, all minor hockey all the way up until junior I all my friends were from Kamloops and they were all on the teams that I grew up playing with it's probably just under a hundred thousand so you know not a big place but good size we've got uh you know everything we need here lots of good golf courses Lake's not far away. Sun Peaks ski resorts not far. So, you know, you got everything you could really ask how, for. How far is the lake away? Uh, the Shushwap Lake's probably, it's actually Chase is on the Shushwap Lake. So it's probably like 45 minutes to an hour to, to the Shushwap. So that's where I spend the majority of my This is a random question just because I'm curious because you grew up in Chase. What, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Uh, so my parents both, uh, they had a real estate company together in the small town of Chase. So they, they kind of started their own thing growing up and, uh, yeah, just kind of made their way. It was a small town and raised two boys. Uh, yeah. And they were, you know, they were in the office together. So they, they spent all, their, all day. Yeah. And they're still Did married. Did he have a so. shed to podcast in? No, I don't know how, well, he, <laughs> he, uh, he had a golf course membership so he, oh that was his, his shed. shed his oh. shed his shed was at the golf course so i he understand would, yep he would get there when he needed it and uh and then you know between the two of them they would drive me to hockey in the winters and you know and then they saw my brother as well so they had a so how do you get to the merit centennials so uh merit came about um i was playing junior b in uh 
which would be my grade 12 year. So my 17 year old season, I guess. Um, I was having a, I had a tough start. It was my first year away from home at, at a pretty young age. And, uh, you know, towards Christmas, I started, I started playing, playing a little bit better. Does Kamloops not have a junior team or? Kamloops has got a Western League team, but I was drafted uh, to Prince George, to the Cougars. Um, and went to their camp when I was young, when I was 15, the first year after getting drafted. And uh, I hadn't made a decision about, you know, Western League or NCAA, but um, just given how like good the BC League is at that age, it's almost like presumed if you don't, if you don't go to the Western League right away, then you're a, a college kid, which wasn't the case for me. I just wanted to, you know, my, my, I guess more my parents, they wanted just to keep my options open, you know, because as soon as you play one Western League game, your, uh, your NCAA scholarship opportunities are basically gone. So they just wanted me to wait and see and, and see how I developed. I was, like I said, I was still pretty young at, at that age for a 16 year old kid. I was a late birthday. Um, but once I, once I got to merit and, and started playing in the BC, BC league and got a little bit of, uh, recognition from NCAA teams, it, it just seemed like it would be a perfect way to go. Like you get your schooling, you get to play another four years. I just felt like, you know, I, I was going to pursue that, um, you know, and, and see where that would take me. Um, well, I guess my questions about junior are you started with merit and it looked like you did really good. Um, and in that league, if you, you were getting like a point a game, like I think 30 goals and uh, didn't seem like you got a scollarship right away. And 40, then, at, 40. huh? 40. 40 goals. That was the last year. You had 30 two years before, man. My research team's hot, baby. No, no. Back to back 40, Wally. You got to add up. Oh shit! You got traded. <laughs> what a suitcase! <laughs> Who gets traded a junior? Jesus! Research is off, Wally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't add those up. Jeez, there are different lines, different rows. <laughs> I will say this: the coach we had in Merritt was—he uh, was one of a kind. Why didn't you get cool. a scholarship right away? Well, probably because of the way I, I skated, I wasn't a fast skater and, um, skating again, Jeez, skating. We, I just had Hotham on and like all these awesome players that win everywhere they go skating. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it improved as I got older, but I, I was, I was always a pretty big kid and it took a while for like my power to kind of catch up to how big I was, you know, I was just, it took me a while to get moving. Once I got going, I was pretty fast, but you know, my quickness was, was always uh, an issue. And um, you know, if you're a college recruit and you, you come out to BC, you only watch maybe one or two games. That's kind of your recruiting trip. And it's whoever flashes your eye and it's the ones that aren't skating. Well, probably don't catch your eye. Yep. So um, you know, BC does really well with um, producing NCAA players, but, um, a lot of those kids generally are coming in from like different, different areas like Ontario, where they're, where they're just coming out to play in a good, good league before they go to the NCAA. So, um, yeah, yeah, you guys are out there. A lot of guys around here are leaving here to go out there now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's got a bit of a pipeline, like Penticton's, you know, got a bit of a factory going on where they just, 
bring kids in and you know that that's where you're recruiting just as a piece of cake you just you yeah. just tell kids come here for a year you're going to live in a beautiful spot they got a nice rink down there and then get a scholarship and then go do your thing so yeah I can see, I could, I could see the, the selling points. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so why did they trade your ass then? Uh, <laughs> the coach <laughs> actually, that's what I was going to say. He was, he was old school as they get, but he was, uh, wouldn't that be your type of guy? He, he really liked me, but he was also our, uh, he was our, our head coach and he would also drive the bus. So he would throw, his steel toes on and he would drive us up six hours of Prince George, throw the suit on. If we didn't play well, he'd cuss us out and he'd get us back home. And he it came towards the deadline and he, um, he said, basically the team's probably not making playoffs. And uh, me and Bill Vandermeer, um, who I'm sure Belfast fans are familiar with big okay. Jim. Yeah. Um, his, one of his younger brothers, the two of us were uh, two of the leading scorers in merit traded us to Nanaimo. who's one of the, one of the top teams at the time. And uh, Okay. So you got traded cause they weren't doing good. me a favor. And yeah, yeah. yeah it was, uh, but you still didn't have a scholarship. No, I, I didn't get what's a going on, dude. Until... It's still your skating and you scored, you were on pace for 40 goals and the, the, you're not, you're not turning heads. Like look so at your biceps. Still... I can see them on the screen that had to have been turning heads. It's still, um well i wasn't wearing a sleeveless jersey unfortunately i guess Jeez, yeah but it thank me... goodness we weren't ferris <laughs> <laughs> state was the only team that offered me and it wasn't until pretty late man it was into like february of my 20 year old season it was uh it was kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty i mean my coach was bill bestwick in the nine well he he felt confident that i was i was going to get something but I just kind of took him at his word, which, you know. So was, was that the only school? It was the only school that offered. I, I'd been talking to some other teams, but um, they were the only team that, that actually made me an offer. So uh, when they made that, I, I literally jumped all over it. I took it. Like the coach was almost surprised at how fast I accepted. He's like, shit, I probably could offer him a 50% skull you would take it that's desperate no but like when i think of fair state like the guys that i've met and talked to um like robbie collins wasn't young when he went there kunitz wasn't even that young when he went there um like there's a bunch of boys that go there and like they're good players they just developed later or didn't get noticed but ferris was pretty good at uh they they caught quite a few good players there and, and that's kind of the, uh, how they stay competitive in the, in the CCHA at the time. We're playing Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Miami, Notre Dame. They were powerhouses then. All Did you forget players, about Western Michigan? Us and Western were in the same boat. We oh, okay. Were, sorry. Yeah, no, I wasn't. A, we weren't a powerhouse. Okay, go on. Go on. Sorry. We became one, I think, for a little bit. Maybe a good team, but not a power. Like, you know, okay. Fair Michigan enough. Michigan move State on, move area. on. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So we would get our players like myself in there. We're 21 year old freshmen. By the time I was a senior, I'm 25 years old. Michigan, you know, half their team. Was Are signing. 18 dra drafted first yeah. round. And, and you, yeah. And you're starting to get like actually gray hairs and you're like, I'm <laughs> yeah. still in college. And like I was 21 
as a freshman you know, in the dorms. Their, their players, I forget who was on their first power play unit, but it was it was something like I think Jack Johnson, like Matt Hunwick. Those were the guys that were there when I was there. So I only missed you by a year. And Cogliano. And I think, uh, I forget who else is out there. But Did I play were... against you in college? I don't think so. When, when did you graduate? I think, I think we dismissed each other, Wally. Because all those guys, I played against all of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were uh, all studs. And, but, but the point is, those guys would all play a year, maybe two years, sign, and then they're you know, they're and gone. they got to recruit again, but then they bring in the next young punk, and us old boys are still just grinding it out. Yeah, but we're playing eighteen-year-old kids, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes right. you get the better of them, not often. I think. No, but like I think, it, but like for yourself, like I'm, there were scouts starting to watch you because I saw what happened. Um, so I guess what else about Fair State should we get into though? Anything else? Um, before we move on to your pro career, anything about Ferris? Ferris, man. <laughs> you had a big um, senior year. I know that. Yeah, we. You know what? We had a good, a good senior. My senior year was was really good. We had a good, a good class. My class and the class just below me were, were good. And by the time we got to my last year, we were. Uh, we were in the mix. We, we kind of faded in the second half. Actually, what happened was we made it to the Joe Lewis arena, which for people that tune in that don't know, that's the final uh, six. The final four, final four. Four. Yeah. So it used to be six when I was there, but yeah, four now. Yeah. So we went to the final four at the of, the CCHA, folks, of the CCHA folks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let's clear that up. <laughs> um, we were in uh, the NCAA tournament at that point. So we went there and we lost to Northern Michigan, like five, four in overtime. Um, but how it works is the same as like uh, uh, the EIHL. When you go to the final four, you got to play the consolation game the next day. So you, you know, your season's done, you gotta play. Your, your, but you got to play. So we had to play the third place game. Uh, and I think it was against Miami. You're, you're probably not n- nearly as hungover. No. And, but the reason was if we didn't play that game, like, so if we didn't have a game, we would have been in the tournament, but since we had to play that game and you lost a third place game, lost the third place game, you we didn't got, make it in. We got bumped Alaska Anchorage or Fairbanks who was sitting at home from our league tournament they didn't get two more losses on their record. They jumped us in the pairwise and got into the tournament. Oh my gosh. So folks in the UK, cause there's a bunch of you listening. I know we, there are a bunch of people in the shed with us right now um, is in college hockey. It's all about rankings and either win your league and make it to the tournament or it's where you're ranked. So you're saying you lost two games, got bumped down the rankings, So then you don't make the final 16 teams in college hockey. So basically all you need to know is we got fucked over. Yes, yeah. that stinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you got to play in some meaningful games. I never even made it to Joe Lewis or anywhere. So yeah, good on you. But okay. How, so what are your pro options as a 57 year old out of college hockey into professional? <laughs> uh, they were limited. They were, <laughs> I actually, you had a big, 
senior year. I could see you want me to tell you how it all played out. Cause sure. I, you ready? Yep. So when you got to Ferris, you know, your foot, your foot speed's not that good. You're, you're getting stronger, but you're not a man yet. You're, you're kind of a man cause you're 21, but then you really get bigger and stronger and you take hockey seriously when you start doing well, like really seriously. And then the last year you're like standing in front on the power play, you're abusing guys, your tip. No shoot. Half wall. You're a half wall guy. I, I wasn't, but that's, that's, uh, you're a half wall Ferris. guy. I didn't think you were a half wall guy. I'm not a half wall guy, but at Ferris in my senior year, I was a half wall guy. Okay, so go I, on. No. <laughs> now, I, now I'm upset because I thought I knew you. I thought no. you were. I thought you were the guy that that was willing to stand in front and really actually screen the goalie where he's actually not going to see it. You got a lot of tip ins. Maybe popped out into the slot, um, but I guess you're dusting it off on the half wall. So hey. What do I know? So maybe I should have got into the net front spot and my options wouldn't have been as limited. I don't know. I don't know. What did you play in pro? Like when you got to the EIHL and started scoring a lot. Oh, I was going to say uh, in pro, I wasn't a power. Player. No, I'm not talking about the AHL. I'm talking about when you started scoring, what did, what were you on the power play in Belfast? What were you? I was, uh, I was the middle Middle of the box. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily. Net but still uh, popping out to the slot. I said popping yeah. out the slot. Yeah. See, th that kind of, that kind of uh, uh, power play setup wasn't really a thing back in college. And definitely not a fair state. We were meat and potatoes as it gets. Well, I'm sorry. I had no idea you were a half-wall guy. I half-wall guy. I'm sorry. Um, I underestimated. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have been. No, I just saw your biceps. I'm like, geez, I didn't think thought your hands would be that soft with those biceps yeah, i see them on the screen people check out we, the youtube channel we didn't uh work it off my side i was i was you shooting. do know that project managers do not look like that in the real world i'm changing the game <laughs> <laughs> shoot okay so uh pro options you did get straight to the ahl though at that age out of college which is really good most guys that age out of college don't get a look in the AHL, right? You went straight there. Yep. I, I did get a little bit of a, a look um, out in Springfield. Uh, pretty, pretty rough town. Let's be honest. Uh, I don't know where, where Springfield Western mass. So it's probably maybe, maybe two hour, hour and a half from Boston, but you know, straight West inland, um, you know, pretty tough town. And I was there just on a PTO, like a lot of college kids do. Same and, as me, uh, Captain Marani. Yep. And uh, the, it was the Oilers affiliate at the time and the Oilers, they were just awful. Like this was probably one of their really down years. Um, so I remember Jordan Everly's season just ended. He was there. Um, Jeff Petrie, who I'd been playing against all year with Michigan State, was an Oilers draft pick. He was signed and was there. Um, they had some other good players, but then there's probably like 10 of us that were college free agents that were all living in the hotel and, you know, going to practice. There was probably 35 or 40 guys out there on practice days. And after seeing how it works, after I played a few years, 
you just feel awful for some of those veteran guys that, you know, all these young college kids come in every year, Yeah, every year, you know, if your team's out of the playoffs, basically you're just shipped aside and these kids are, are just, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like in North. Yeah. But like then if their team's kind of good and those kids come, you don't get a chance. Like the HL team I went to was going to the playoffs and I never got a chance, right? Like if I'm going to a team that's not making the playoffs, maybe I show up and they're like, well, here, let's see if you can run a power play. But you, if their team's good, they got their setup. They're not changing anything, right? Yeah. I remember my, my first game was in, uh, uh, it was in Hartford, I think. Uh, and Donald Brashear had just gotten sent to the minors. I think he was making a million dollars in the minors. And before the game, my dad called to wish me good luck. And, and he said, whatever you do, don't, don't fight that Brashear. I was like, what would ever make you think that I would do such a stupid thing, dad? Yeah, yeah. Like. No, wouldn't even go near him. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm, now I'm thinking about like. Now it's going through your head. It couldn't have been any less going through my head. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom that my dad was that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I got to question my dad. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense. He was playing in the AHL. Yeah, I think this was maybe the end of his, like the end of his contract, maybe the end of his, his career kind of thing, but. It's weird how they are like the biggest boys all were out there for, I guess it was when I was in Germany and like, I guess when I first went to the AHL, but like those guys were so massive and like the heavyweights in the NHL were so big. And then the guys in the AHL trying to get there by fighting, there were so many of them. It was, yeah. And that like, even before I was there, it was like, yeah, I think it was was more when I went there. Right. But, But, you know, even maybe five years before I was there, it's just like, next level some of these guys just absolute like just not someone you'd ever want to meet in in an alley definitely not on the ice sheet no i was actually quite scared on the ice to be honest i always thought like i wasn't a pussy but then they put me on the ice with those people and i guess i am in fact a bit of a pussy (laughs) (laughs) because i was actually scared i thought they were gonna hurt me i thought i was gonna get hurt because they were so much bigger than me but anyways you went there for three games um sounds like there was a lot of guys trying out for the next year or just so all the other teams can get a look and there's probably lots of scouts checking out who's trying out um because that's kind of what it is like right so what happens then that uh that summer like or what how does it end after three games the season ends and you go back to school for the end yeah exactly i was i think i was out there for maybe one paycheck so it was like a two-week stint lived in a hotel um you know, I'd spoken to all my teachers and my, my second semester, my senior year was pretty light. Like most guys usually kind of, you know, build it yeah. up that way. Um, so I went back and, yeah, planned ahead. That's what a project. I, I took volleyball last semester. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the senior year, uh, spring, I got to go back and enjoy that with, 
with all the guys. So I, I didn't miss out on much. Um, I didn't get a contract out of the deal. So, you know, yeah. um, but it, it kind of, it, it kind of prepared me for next season. It, it let me know, you know, what the pace was going to be like. Uh, and what's out there, right? Like that's what I, I guess you were with younger guys. I went, I went to a different team, right. Where there's all established older guys. And I was like, wow, look at these guys. Like they, they were real pros, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, just the, just the experience, I, it's only three games, but just kind of wrapping your head around, you know, like seeing someone like Brashear, like that's kind of, that's his livelihood now. That's kind of where it's at. It's not, it's not just a game anymore. You're not doing it necessarily as a pastime. Like you're, you're trying to fight for, your for job. You know, some, yeah. Some guys are feeding their families through this and, you know, it, and it might be their only option. Like that's what they're thinking at the time. It's not necessarily true, but that's the mindset that a lot of those guys have. And if you're, if you're trying to eat off their plate, they're, they're smashing you over the head. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they were kind of scary. So after the Springfield three games, then um, I did see your next year. Most of it is in Las Vegas. Are you on a straight East coast deal? Cause you got two different call-ups that year. And what is Vegas living like when you're not a golden Knight, you're a wrangler. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> very different. Probably like couldn't be any more different. Probably um, you're right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I got invited to Phoenix's uh, rookie camp that summer. So did that, got invited back for their actual rookie camp in the summer. Had a decent camp, got invited to main camp. And you're probably, uh, what, six years older than the rest? At the rookie camp for sure. And that's, yeah. that's kind of, uh, Brad tree living was the GM at the time. He, he said to me, you know, uh, you came in and you, you had a great camp, but we got to keep in mind that you're 25 and these kids are 18. <laughs> I said, Hey, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's absolutely fair. So he, he did say you had a good camp. Um, and we'll invite you to main camp and see if it can continue. But, uh, uh, it, it didn't. <laughs> so then what did you sign then? The East coast deal with the Wranglers, so the Las Vegas Wranglers. Then from Phoenix's main camp to go to San Antonio's main camp, their American league affiliate and Las Vegas was their East coast affiliate. So I basically did like, it ended up being like five weeks straight of training camp by the time I got to Las Vegas Went to Vegas as a free agent. Um, coach ended up signing me, I think, for the rookie minimum. I was making, I, I was clearing four hundred and fifteen dollars a week in Las Vegas. Beauty. Uh, if Straight to the, the blackjack tables, or what? <laughs> yeah, if none of the UK listeners have been there, that's uh, you can maybe you can get into a nightclub for that, and then that's about it. So, uh, luckily, my roommate was on an NHL deal straight out of junior. So he was making, I think, I think he was making like 150 grand. But the good thing about the East Coast League is you get paid, at least in Vegas, you get paid once a week. So you get paid every Monday. Every Monday night, you get your 400 bucks. So I just had to get through Sunday night and then boom, that big auto deposit would hit and I could go have another dinner. 
hit the town yeah hit the town 400 bucks yeah it sounds like the wranglers were just like playing for the golden knights i know <laughs> you know what it was in daytona beach ohio it was just like daytona beach florida yeah <laughs> but i will say this uh it was a you know an unreal spot for your first year pro you know just to live in how far away are you from the strip uh so our apartments were like on flamingo so flamingo goes like directly to the strip like if you get on flamingo and drive straight you'll get to the strip it's just going to take you about 20 minutes so a few miles sounds like the type of area i'd stay in if i went to vegas probably exactly but we would play two touch out in the parking lot and the rink was right downtown right in the strip and is that right? Right on the strip? Not right on the strip, sorry. Jesus, you're playing two-touch on the strip? That we sounds We played two-touch looking at the strip. And, uh, you know, we were all just young guys. We would we would bring our uh, our button-down shirts. We'd play the game Saturday night at home. We'd run outside, change, and we'd go straight straight there, wherever we were going. So it was it was cool. But at the go same time... Go through your 400 bucks quick doing that, eh? Quick. But I, I was... I was pretty focused to get out. Like I didn't want to be in the East coast league. Like Vegas was fun, but I didn't want to be there. Like, yeah, my mindset was still, you know, I had fun, but my mindset was to really get the fuck out of there. I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying and to. Yeah. You're a giver. I can tell um, you, you give her and you got out of there. You did. And you, there would be guys that go there and get sidetracked. Right. Yeah. And you know, we would certainly have our nights and, um sean mcmonagle who ended up being a uh cardiff devil with me at the end we both started our 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 careers in vegas and then ended in cardiff together so he was he was one of my best buddies but we didn't see each other really he's your hendo yep that's what yeah we started in dayton together and then i ended in cardiff that's pretty cool yeah we were well he didn't end he 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 grinded it out for a couple more years, but <laughs> a third league of Germany, way to go. <laughs> Oberliga. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, yeah, no, it's cool. The relationships you get with their, your rookies, you don't see each other for like 10 years. And then you, you meet up and like, for me, it was like, I had two or I had one kid and a pregnant wife. And I was like, Whoa, you're Nothing in one. Changed. Nothing yeah. changed, but everything. Yeah, but our relationship didn't change at all. It's still the exact same, right? Just yep. like podcasting with people and you haven't seen them in 10 years. <laughs> um, So I don't know where we are anymore. You're in Vegas. You had a good year, though, that year in Vegas. And you did get out of there. You got two call-ups and you scored 20 goals and had quite a few PIMs. Um, so you're probably getting some PP time now. Are you still the half-wall guy? Uh. No, I don't think I was a half wall guy uh, at that point. I was a line guy. uh, Actually, a little bit. I was up top shooting, believe it or not. Um, I wasn't lugging the mail or anything like that, but I would, I would shoot it. I would just get the puck and shoot it. I've I've, probably been the only time I've seen you play was Wally night and I didn't pay attention to the game at all. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I'm just going off of what I feel. Check yeah. the DB and hope for the best. That's, right. That's I just saw the penalty minutes. <laughs> I saw the points and I just tried to put it together that like <laughs> this guy fights, he does everything. He blocks shots, he scores goals. And I'm like, that I, sounds like net front guy. 
I didn't, I didn't try to block too many shots. Is I, that right? I would do it, but I would like, like I more tried not to actually. Yeah. So that's what, there's probably three guys when it comes to shot blocking guys who really try not to block them. Yeah. And then you're the in between guy. I'm the in between guy. Yeah. Like if, if it, it hits me, shoot. But if it, if it goes through my legs, I gave him, you know, I was, I was happy enough to block it, but I didn't. That's, I understand. It's not like you're Mark Richardson going on one knee, going sideways and saying, please put this in my ear. He, he had one of the, uh, you know, biggest talents for that. It, Cause it is a talent. Cause well, I don't understand how he's hasn't been seriously injured. Right. He's, he was awesome at it and he was brave as fuck. And you know, that's, it's being brave, but it also had timing and uh, you know, being able to read the play and, and knowing when the shot was being taken. Richie was awesome at it. Lordo also was awesome at it. He, he wasn't as talented at it. He would just fucking try too hard. <laughs> he would just get in the way of it. Yeah. Okay. He so he was play. still playing when you were there or you, what? Or did you play against him? Did you... I played against him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did yeah. too in the second league in Germany. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I played against Lordo uh, in juniors way back in the day too. He was, he was a, a Vernon guy when, when we were really young. Well, there, there was a big decision in your life you made that we'll get into at some point, but we're going to keep teasing away. <laughs> we'll keep teasing the UK fans until we get we'll to we your big time. decision. Yeah, it might get late tonight. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, the next year, what do you sign? Because you're with the Chicago Express and you get a point a game after 15 games played, a little over, and then you say East Coast, smell you later, never coming back. That's- yeah, so the, the, the year in Vegas, um, I had a couple call-ups. Um, so to San Antonio, where the uh, Phoenix affiliate was, they called me up for a quick stint. Uh, and then Peoria for maybe three weeks towards the end of the season. Um, did pretty well there. The coach was actually uh, Jared Bednar, who's the coach of the Avalanche right now. He's he was a really good coach and, and he was good to me, but they were, uh, they were a bit of a smaller American league team and same kind of thing happens. You get towards the end of the year. If you're not like head and shoulders above the guys coming. Well, know. they got the new draft picks, right? Like exactly. And, and they to actually get- earn the contract, like the, even if it's a one way HL deal, there's so many fucking guys and, and there's so um, many coming. And there's so many coming that like are like haven't even reached puberty yet. And they're like, oh, well, what can he be? What can he be? Like I drafted him. I scouted him. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I was 25. You knew more or less what I was at that point, you know, so you're you're better off finding out maybe if someone else has got a little bit more of this, you know, um, so I, I didn't have a contract that summer. Um, and I think, yeah, so San Antonio ended up moving their, or Phoenix moved their affiliate out to Portland in Maine. Um, so I went out to camp there and Brad Tree Living was the GM of that team as well. Uh, and he cut me for like the fifth time in like 
eight months or something. What? <laughs> I was going to say he liked you and brought you <laughs> he, with him. You know what? Every interview he would tell me that he, he really liked me and, you know. And I'm you just keep problem. showing up? <laughs> it was like he was, he was fucking just picking on me, but uh, <laughs> he actually was good to me, but just not quite good enough. And uh, so I had an uh, East Coast League deal with Chicago and uh, like you said, started out there and then that American Thanksgiving, I got called up to Bridgeport and uh, uh, I, I kind of said at that point, I was, it was make or break time for me. And I, I basically, I kind of told myself, like I, I wasn't going to play another East Coast game. It was either I was going to break through and be like an American League player or better. I was going to retire or I was going to look into to going to Europe if, if anything came about because I wasn't going to – I just wasn't going to – So, you, you know, I think so much of hockey is mental and truly believing in yourself. And when you get those opportunities in the AHL, the East Coast, is like wherever it is, the NHL, when you truly believe in yourself and you truly think you're ready and it's like time, um, then – you you do it right like so when you get called up you're like i'm doing this like we're doing this right yeah yeah and that's kind of what it was it was uh and you know i i talked to my agent and he he basically he was honest with me as well and he said this is this is your third team this is your third call up you know this isn't going to it's not going to keep happening basically is you know is the message he eventually had. you're going to just stay down yeah you're either at one point you are what you are and if you are just that in-between guy that keeps getting called up for a stint here when injuries pile up you know you can be that guy for another five years but if you're gonna actually break through and knock the door down you know you might want to go and now definitely you don't get five years now like if you're not (laughs) yeah you know yeah if you're not there when you're 22 you're pretty well (laughs) yeah yeah the clock the clock ticks a lot quicker these days man. doesn't it (laughs) and i'm I'm lucky that i was given you know multiple opportunities because there's a lot of a lot of other guys that you just kind of get labeled you get labeled east coast player or you get labeled an american league player or or whatever it is second league german maybe whatever the case (laughs) may be whatever the case may be but um (laughs) maybe now uh, you're labeled a shed guy well you know podcaster now (laughs) Um, but seriously when you get to the hl and you're like enough's enough i'm sticking here what did you do differently? How did you play differently? And what what opportunity did you get? Because sometimes you go up there and you play one shift. Did you fight more? Did you chip it in more? Did you actually try to make tape-to-tape passes more? Um, no, I, I fully uh, embraced the fourth line, uh, bottom wow. six, yeah, right winger role. Um, you know, all through juniors, like – joking about being the half wall guy like i'd always been like a power play guy but i could always no i'm not joking about it i just no no because i I read you wrong no and that was that was probably my mistaken identity crisis i should have been uh building towards what would eventually be a fruitful american league player as a bottom six forward but i guess that's part of uh learning the game and learning yourself you you figure out and when one pro that does level. that to you, right? Because in college, 
you don't ask to be on the third or fourth line. You're not going to be on the third or fourth line when you are the best option on the power plays and everything else. You're going to play the most story for burping the mic again, folks. But like, seriously, um, until you get into pro and then you are that role, there's certain guys that can do it. And there's certain guys that can't do it. And like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be a third or fourth liner. Um, but like, it's good on you that like, you were like, this is what I'm doing. I'm chipping it out. I'm chipping it in. I'm going to go hit that guy. And if I got to fight someone, right. Yeah. So we had a, we had a tough, a tough team in Bridgeport. Uh, my, my first roommate was, uh, Trevor Gillies and, um, oh, he's pretty big. He's big. Yeah. He was, uh, mine was Mike Scroy. <laughs> then they're best buddies. The two of them. Yeah. They're and- both pretty big. <laughs> I, uh, I got called up and I remember I walked into, uh, I got my hotel room key and I, you know, you're, you're always nervous when you're going to a new team and I, I walk in and, uh, been traveling all day and just expect to get my room to myself. And I walk in and open the door and I, I see Trevor Gillies there with his full handlebar mustache, big biker looking guy. And, uh, I'd only seen like his fight videos and, you know, you just have this, you know, who he is. Yeah, exactly. And I I walk in there and and you're almost kind of like thinking you're in the wrong room or you're kind of invading in space. Couldn't have been a nicer guy to, to a young rookie. And he'd been in that, that situation himself. So he was kind of, he had just been sent down from, I think the Islanders, he played the first, you know, two months. Um, but he was, he couldn't have been friendlier and he kind of had a big brother feeling to him and he kind of him and I would say Brett Gallant, uh, Michael Haley was there. They were all like, you know, tough, tough forwards that all kind of, you know, they showed me the way a little bit and, and how to play that, that style and, and how to, uh, you know, stick up for yourself and, and protect your teammates and, and be a, a good teammate. At, but you're uh, not Trevor Gilly's size. No, no, but there was, there was always, there was levels to it. Right. So if, if Gillies was your heavyweight, there's and, another, the next level. Right. And, and Glant was certainly a heavyweight at that time. He was, he was smaller than me by quite a bit, but he was, he was beating up all the heavyweights. One of the toughest guys that the game has probably ever seen for like, not even pound for pound. He's just, uh, you know, he's an East coaster. Those maritime boys are, they're fucking built different, but, um, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, you see what, what they're sacrificing and, and, you know, the way they're preparing, the way they're, they're living. Going, yeah. And the, what they go through, what they do for the team, like what they'll do yeah. for you to try and make a buck. Right. Yep. So, you know, when you see those guys doing it, you kind of, I think it's leadership, great leadership in a way, because uh, if those guys that have been, you know, playing in the NHL and doing that, uh, and I'm someone that's trying to make a name for myself, you know, you better get him, get in line and, and tow the rope because they're, they're putting it all on the line, you know, and, and they got families that uh, they're taking care of and, and they're risking their health every night. So, you know, Oh yeah, it. no, it's, it's real. It was as real as it gets. And uh, man, those fights were wild. I remember when I got there to college, man, and after I'd only played in Elmira, my hometown, and then playing Western Michigan where you kind of do whatever you want um, and nobody can do anything because you can't fight. You can, yeah. And then you get to pro and you do a couple things that just aren't quite responsible. (laughs) 
and it doesn't matter who you are. Like, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Like we talked about the levels. It doesn't matter what level you are. If you do something stupid, the, the highest level is coming to get you. And um, that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a price to, to your action. Um, I never did it again. I cross-checked a yeah, guy yeah. going into the end wall, and I never did it again. And I guess that's kind of the thing that a lot of, a lot of people that don't understand the game or, or that side of it don't understand is... The policing that, itself. It keeps you honest, man. Like, if I knew... If I knew Trevor Gillies was on the other bench, I was on my best behavior that game. But yep. if, if, if I he's not, middle, but if he's not, it's like Cam Jansen and Nottingham, like I talked about with Mosey, is like if you give that guy an inch, he's going to take the whole thing. But if, if the other team's got someone that will at least stick up for their team and like at least a couple guys that are willing to do it, at least he's not running a muck out there, right? Yeah. And, you know, on the flip side of that, if, if I know I've got Gillies sitting beside me, I'm not going to think twice about hitting your best player or, you know, bumping yeah. into your goalie or. And I, that's what I don't get how it totally is gone from the game because it's still a thing. It's got to still be a thing, right? Yeah, no, it is to a certain extent. And it is still there. You see, that's why Reed's got traded to the Rangers. Like they don't, they didn't like seeing Panarin get picked on and you know, that's probably not going to happen again. Like that, that shit doesn't happen. If, if Wilson's on the ice, Panarin's not getting face washed or if Reeves is, is on the Rangers, Wilson's not doing whatever he wants to, to their whole lineup. It just, it just changes, changes the narrative. It definitely does. And it's like back when I was in junior B and I had a night just last weekend with all the junior B guys sitting around a fire telling stories and like, there was so much fighting back in the day of like, and there were the guys that like protected me to like, so I could be me. And if I didn't have those guys, I couldn't be me. Right. And that's just, that was the game. Like you had to have those guys so I could be me. And like, for you, it was for you to be you. You had to have sometimes a bigger level or the other team doesn't have that guy. Right. Like it's, it was all an element to the game. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a cool time. Like we had some, we had some really good young players that are all kind of, um, you know, Holy moly. So yeah, we got to talk about where we're at because we've just been shooting the shit. You're in Bridgeport and you're an AHLer now you're legitimate. Now you went there, you did it. You played fourth line. You learned from those guys. And I got you down here that you played for the Chicago express for 15 games. And then the rest of that season, you're in Bridgeport and the next season, you're an assistant captain of the AHL hockey team, right? Yep. That's pr pretty solid. Yeah. And so we had, um, like, Casey Sezikis was a rookie my first year. Brock Nelson was a rookie. Uh, Nino Niederreiter. Um, so, like, some really good young players. And, you know, by that point, I was, I was 26, 27. So I was you know, I was only a year in the league, but I, I was already an older guy. I had quite a bit of life experience. So it, I guess, you know, being on a, a younger team, I was, I was already kind of one of the leaders, you know, and that was something that I learned quickly from, you know, Gills and, and Gallant and, and some of the older guys that took me under their wing and, um, 
and just kind of showed me the way. So it was, it was pretty cool. And then the coach, Brent Thompson was uh, one of the, you know, one of the best coaches I've, I've had in my playing career. He was, <clears throat> he was salt of the earth, like uh, old school, tough as nails when he played, but kind of also blended with a new, new school mentality. Um, he appreciated like the skill of the game and he, he wasn't all about just the fighting. He, he expected players to stick up for each other, but he was, he was super in tune with uh, the way the game was trending to, to being faster and uh, kind of more skill. And, um, and he kind of gave me a, a really good opportunity to, to play. And uh, um, yeah, and he was, he was one of the first ones that kind of congratulated me on uh, uh, becoming a full-time American league player. Cause. So what kind of deal are you on when you're an, you're an assistant captain in the American league, the second year, cause you were in the coast, you work your way up to 55 games played, but then were you on it? Like you were on an East coast deal. So what you sign a one way a deal the next year when you become the assistant captain or are you on an so NHL deal? Partway through um, that year that I first got called up right around March or something, they put myself and there's maybe like three or four other guys that had came up right around the same time uh, from the coast. We were all like coast players and we all went up and the team did sick, like went on a wicked run, made the playoffs. Um, first time in quite a few years for Bridgeport. And that summer they gave me a, a two-way NHL American League deal and, and invited me to NHL camp. But coincidentally, the lockout happened. So my one oh, NHL contract, I was locked out. <laughs> well, yeah, fine. Uh, I kind of got to go to one. Not really. But fun fact is my kid's favorite hockey team is the New York Islanders. So you talked about Sezikis. He's had a picture with him. We went to a game because Tom Kuhnhackel from Landsuit, Germany, was on the team. So there you shit. go. He's, yeah. uh, he's a good Ontario boy. Uh, I think he's... Uh, He's just outside of Oakville, I think, from the same town as McMonagall, I believe. I like the way he plays. He gives her. That guy gives her. Every shift, yeah. every game, that guy gives her. One of the best. One of the coolest uh, One of the coolest out there. Yeah. Is he? That's good. He, he, yeah. he seems like it. When I, You can kind of tell who you'd warm up to because when I took Colby to a game, I, I don't know how this happens, but during warm-ups, Colby's chatting with Matt Martin's I don't know, sister, family, and they seem like great people. And then you can tell Matt Martin's best friends with Casey Zizekas. And you're like, geez, these seem like the type of guys that I'd be hanging out with if I was on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Just it doesn't take long to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a character evaluation while you've got it. Hey. Well, I try to uh, I, I try to filter them out before the podcast, but you know we could let some strange characters on here. <laughs> you never know who you're gonna get. You know when you're at episode sixty three, I think. So what are you, are you doing? Are you doing two or three a week, or was this? I'm just trying to do up? two a week, but life's getting a little bit too busy. We're gonna need some kind of fourth wave or a lockdown to happen here because. Yeah. Is that, what, um, is that what started you in on this? That's kind of how, yeah. I was walking the dog. It was a lockdown. I was listening to pods, and I was like, there was one that was all NHL superstars, and I was like, geez, that's not what I'm into. And then there was other ones that were into, like, working out and trying to be the best you can be, which, I mean, that <laughs> fun too, but uh, not what I was into. And then I was like, you know what I'd be into is, like, 
hearing about like the real stories of like the guys that almost did her or even the guys that did do her all of them i don't care who it is i like stories from everybody yeah that's and I, I wanted to catch up with my friends that's how i got into it i wanted to, i wanted a reason to call all my friends and my hendo um the guy that was the rookie to last year he texted me and said so you figured out a way to go out to your shed have a couple beers with all of your buddies and it's okay and Twice I'm like, a week, three times a week well if you're lucky but i don't think i can get one in until next wednesday man i'm too busy like but i i i i like I said, I, I, you know, I thought I always tried to be ahead of the curve, you know, with like the between the legs, the spin of Roonies that all these young punks are doing now. Spin-a-roonies. I was trying to do it. Oh, yeah. Who's calling it a spin of Rooney? Oh, dear. Yeah. I used to spin like crazy. Oh, yeah. And then, then the. No, uh, but I've never heard it called a spin of Rooney. Well, that's, that a... be, that's because I was doing it in the early 2000s oh, yeah, before everybody else. Oh, Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews, you can spin around all you want. That shit was happening in the second league of Derby long ago. <laughs> Spinner Rooney. Yeah, oh, that's right. Spinner Rooney's. You should trademark that. That's well, that's good. Um, didn't always work, especially when you got older and your knees didn't work. <laughs> that's when you get injured uh, trying to do Spinner Rooney's at that age. But okay, so you're the assistant captain. You're on it. So your NHL deal, and you're an assistant captain getting 165 pims. You feel close to like you're knocking on the door like they could call you any day you're in the hl you're an assistant captain you got to feel like any day they're like and then you see all these other punks going or what oh we were locked out there was a lot oh the lockout (laughs) gosh yeah it was it was locked out until i think the end of january so the american hockey league was unbelievable at this like this year oh that's the year in germany where all those guys come over yeah yeah the league was incredible like and you're an assistant captain then well so then you're getting a year older geez you could have made it if you if that wouldn't have happened that lockout really could have jammed you up didn't get uh yeah it sucked didn't get the one year on my nhl contract uh to go to a legitimate camp and really try to make it but i mean is what it is like there was a lot of guys that were in the same boat um just yeah the way it goes yeah same it's like covid right it's like it it happened to everybody yeah exactly and same thing happened this year or not this year but when covid hit you know everyone everyone had something to be pissed about like Okay, so then what do you sign then after that? Then you go to the St. John's Ice Caps. That's what the Winnipeg Jets. Yep. So I was uh, going through for free agency and it came down, which is crazy now, but I was um, negotiating a a contract between St. John's and Winnipeg and Vancouver, which is like my hometown team growing up. Um, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't really budge on their American league money. Um, so you're getting NHL, AHL deal. Yep. With good AHL money and their AHL money wasn't the same as the other ones. Exactly. Um, and Winnipeg was still offering me, uh, an invite to their NHL training camp. 
Um, and if, you know, they were, they were basically offering the same stuff. They just didn't have room for an NHL deal. So I, I knew some of the guys in St. John's, um, some of my best buddies, actually Zach Redman, who was with me at Ferris state was, was with St. John's at the time. Um, my buddy Kale Mulrat was my roommate in Bridgeport. He was one of the PTO guys that I lived in the hotel with. He was in St. John's now, and it just felt like, uh, I was happy to, to go somewhere that, you know, they really wanted me. If, if the other deal, if they would just come up and, and match the money or get halfway there, I would have gone. Ooh. Right. And then, you know, they really want you, but then no. you do have to make those decisions based on that. And yep. you go to a new organization where the it's new coaches, it's new players, it's new people, it's all new and you don't have a role established or anything, but I guess, Basically, North American Minor Pro is basically a free for. It used to be a free for all. Every training camp was basically literally like you're playing for everything, right? Yep. Um, when I got to Winnipeg, I I found out you know pretty quick that I was strictly uh, going down. I, yeah, I, and I'll tell you how they, I knew they that. were giving you the big AHL money to teach the young punks how to be pros. Yep, and and they were. Uh, they were, uh, did they tell you that before? No, but they also didn't say that they were bringing me in to be like a, a potential NHL call-up guy. They were, they were honest about it. Um, they were a, a well-run franchise. St. John's was independently owned at the time and they, you know, they really took care of their players and they tried to win. Winnipeg was the same. Their owners, you know, as much as they could take care of the guys, they went above and beyond because that's kind of what they have to do there to, to recruit and retain players at the NHL level. So both organizations, they were almost like a perfect fit. Um, but when I went to Winnipeg to, to check in for the training camp, you go to the hotel and, you know, usually you check in and they give you your keys. Um, well, I checked in, told them my name and they said, oh yeah, Mr. Riley, we have you... Uh, checking out on uh, whatever it was September 9th, which was about 10 days later. <laughs> so they told you when you were getting cut, they had already decided. <laughs> well, they didn't, but the guy at the front desk of my hotel sure did. Yeah, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> no one else told me, but I knew. Well, hey, at moment. least you got 10 days, man. I got 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, well, I, at that point, I was like, do I really want to muck it out in camp for the next 10 days? And then you get to day nine and you're like, all right, well, I'm obviously, you know, I'll be chatting to the coach tomorrow, I assume. And then they kind of come into like the breakfast area and they were, you know, they were pulling guys out one at a time. And the coach came in and he looked right at me and he asked if I knew where someone else was. And I was like, maybe I'm getting another day here. Goes and, Cuts my buddy, came back, grabbed me. <laughs> I'm like, you probably could have just taken me right away. You knew you were going to cut me. So you did get that, yeah? It was right on the day, yeah. No, they, they had it set up at the hotel perfectly. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, I know. Sometimes they have an idea what they're doing with players. It's like, it's like when you watch TSN or Sportsnet now or whatever the hell they are. Like, 
literally every team based on the players contracts they already know what their team is like there's no tryouts anymore the team is what they are and everybody's gonna be on the power play in the certain positions they're supposed to be on based on who they are and how they played like it's hard to crack in now because everybody's got their positions based on how much money they make yeah oh yeah the the team's uh, perfectly structured um, the only teams that win are the when where players play above the money grade, right? <laughs> exactly. And and the way you get called up is if one of the you know lower salary guys go down because if a bigger salary guy goes down, they're gonna bring someone else in that's you know making that amount. Oh, it's it's a strange game over here. So um, you do two years with the St. John's Ice Caps, and all I got here is. 70 games played, 20 points, at least 100 PIMS. Um, but you're still getting older. Not getting younger. That's not younger. Every day, eh? We're getting older. Shoot. That, that is true. Um, so did you feel like you were going to maybe get a call up? How old are you at that point, St. John's? No, I think about, um, you know, after that training camp, I. I kind you of, yeah, I was the way you were treated. You had an idea where you were. Yeah. Not that I, I, I wasn't treated poorly. I was treated extremely well in that organization, but, at, you but know, it was clear I, where you it was, stood. It was clear. It was clear for me. And, yeah. you know, I was, I was 28 years old. Um, and I, I wasn't on an NHL contract. So, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious and I was fine with that. I never, I never expected to be a full-time American league player. So it was all gravy for me. And to go to, even to go to camp was, it was still cool. It was still something I appreciated. And I wasn't like, I never took that for granted. So. Yeah. Well, well, you really did go to an NHL camp and that would have been cool. Right. Like you were there for 10 days. I think it was 10 days. And, um, and St. John's was a, unbelievable spot to be so i and you're there for two years so yeah i i tell you man i ever everything i've heard since i started the pod like i really didn't know east coasters that well but every one i have on the more i get to know about it since i've been doing it like i really hadn't been that exposed to it until joey haddad and chris colligan and cardiff and they were two of the my favorite guys on the team i had to shine them right away and then I go over there for a night and Dixon seems like a beauty. And like when, Love you know, baby. like they're just, they seem like just great people out there. So you're out there for two years. You must have fun. Did you eat donairs? Um, more the uh, uh, poutine, the poutine. Oh, you're a, more of a poutine guy, eh? Well, I'm, once I got to, once I got to the UK, I was into the donairs. But, wow, uh, the UK donair game isn't that good. I tell you, Germany, yeah, that's, that's where shit gets real. No, yeah. the Newfoundland has great poutine. Um, yeah, really. It was, so it was a good two years, and mm-hmm. you're getting older. So then, you finish those two years with them, and you still you got a decision, but you still played another season. We're not there yet, folks. Still Whoa, got another you- season in Stockton. You glanced over the Calder Cup run we went on. Oh, shit. You're right. No, sorry. I got that written down here, too. Did you? Oh, the the, no, I did. I had the original <laughs> on the original notes, not before the final draft. Gosh, darn it. 
Oh, I had the rough notes and then I just, but no, I got it. You ready? It's in my brain. You ready? 20 games played six points or 21 games played, whatever. Either way, I was going to ask you, like, did you almost win like 20 something games played during the finals and like almost winning the whole dang thing. And that, that's big time in the HL when you're almost winning it, that means guys are going to make the NHL out of that. Wally, it was devastating. We lost, we lost. So we were one, one going back to St. John's playing against Texas. I don't think I want to hear it. Okay, go ahead. It hurts. We lost, we lost game three in overtime. And so this is in St. John's, our rink's been sold out every game the whole year. So we were one, one, we lose game three in overtime down two one. We lost game four in overtime to go down three, one. And we lost game five in overtime to lose the cup on home ice. All of them in overtime, all of them in overtime. Um, I, yeah, no, I, it sucks losing. I lost my first two years of pro I lost in the East coast. I did. We did the same thing. We were the Daytona beach bombers, um, from Ohio and we made it all the way to the finals and won the first game. Like we shouldn't have been there. We put Florida out in seven games in the semis. We get there and, uh, we win the first game in Idaho and then, well, yeah, then we ended up losing three games in a row and losing four games to one. And it's tough. And then the next year we lose in the final game of the series. It's best of five, game five in overtime. So that's my first two years of pro. And those things hurt, man. You never forget that shit. But you're in the AHL. You're a step away from the NHL and you're on a team that's almost winning it, that's where scouts are watching every game. They're like, why are these teams winning? So what are you? You're a third, fourth liner playing the yeah. wing? Fourth line, right wing. We were like the How old are you? Uh, I would have been 28, 28, I guess. Yeah. But we had, uh, we had a good mix of like some good veterans. Um, and then some of the young kids now, like Adam Lowry, uh, it was you know, signed a nice ticket with the Jets, made a good career. Ben Sherratt was one of our D-men who signed a nice, nice deal. And He's a, a good, good player. player. Really good player. Josh Morrissey was, uh, he was our junior call-up, ended up being one of our best defensemen. Um, yeah, Beskarwani, who was our uh, goalie in Belfast, was uh, was the backup. Michael Hutchison was was the starter. He was, he was a sick goaltender and, and had a good career. So we had a lot of guys that were knocking at the door and uh, ended up making good careers out of, out of that. So like you said, yeah, you go on a run, run like that. A lot of people kind of take notice and. And you're um, in St. John's that place would have been loving it. The best, the best man, the best place uh, for a St. Patty's day celebration. I tell you, that's why I had you post that picture of the all in the green. That was uh, three of my buddies. We spent uh probably four straight days on, on George street in, in Newfoundland, St. John's nothing better live tunes. And uh, bad. The, the life hockey players live and all the different places they go. And like, 
when there are fun nights, they get to go out and enjoy them sometimes. <laughs> like the stories you hear on the pods and like you say that it's like, well, like how many guys these days our age are, are going to Newfoundland and going out on the streets and doing whatever. Right. Like, you know, I, I'm just excited to go to the shed. <laughs> you, Hey, you would be excited to go to Newfoundland though. It's uh it's a great place. Oh, I Jones. feel like I would really like the people out there for sure. They're the best. So yeah. highly recommend it for anyone. Well, that sucks. You guys lost. And uh, I don't know what else to say about that, but you still have a lot of shit to talk about. We've been talking a while. Okay. Keep her moving. Sorry. You know what I mean? No, but like, you're right. <laughs> when you almost win in the AHL, you got to talk about that. And I had it written down. It didn't make it. Somehow it got overlooked when I was making my final version. Hey, let's get to the good shit here, Wally. Your your time's running out in the shed, isn't it? Nope. Um, um, well, do you want to skip over the Stockton Heat? Because it doesn't sound that fun. Uh, no, it, it really wasn't that much fun. That, well, again, the, the, the only thing that- I was going to say was you're an assistant captain again, but like I could tell you're just the leader. So, like, yeah, he seemed to be the captain everywhere he went. Uh, one the, only, the good thing about that is, so the, the weather in St. John's in the winter is, it's miserable. That was the one tough Is part. it snow or rain mainly? It's a lot of snow. No, a lot of a snow. A lot of snow. Yeah. The winter was tough. The travel was really tough. After two years, we, we'd have long road trips. Um, and after the two years... I, I told everyone, I said, I, that California division just started up. And I said, I'm going to play in Cali. You guys watch. And I got, <laughs> the only offer I got was from Stockton. And it came right at the end of the August, like, you know, towards the end of summer. And it ended up being <laughs> in Cali. Not really the California that I pictured when I was. I was so I got a question for you then. Yeah. If it's the end of August you're oh what are you 28 29 i think i was 29 yeah turning 30 probably that so um and you're waiting that long for an ahl deal like was there some yeah um, i was concerned wally i was just gonna say like i remember the summers where like i didn't have in europe where if i didn't have a deal till like the if it was if it wasn't may june i was like geez what's going on I was concerned, but I will say this, my agent uh, had a hell of a poker face. Cause he, he had me believing that I had, you know, I had things on the go. Yeah. And I understand. Oh, maybe here, maybe there, there's, you know, I'm having some conversations. I, there's some good things going on. A lot of talks, a lot of talks. Yeah. I'm talking to teams. Yeah, I'm like, are you, I, I'm sure you're talking to teams, but I don't think my name's coming up in those conversations are you talking about the other guys yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure you're talking to teams but yeah i don't know think... I, I felt like that guy before too and uh <laughs> by the time he phoned me with this contract offer he like i could hear him like gasping over the phone being like Phew, i i didn't think i was getting that done i I got to say that I was getting real concerned. <laughs> he, he, he's feeling pretty good about himself, hey? But he's really, yeah. he's really no. building you up with confidence for the season. He was, he was out. very, very relieved. So, yeah, um, yeah I, Stockton was, it was nice for the weather. It was a, it was a rugged-ass town, uh, a dangerous place to live. And it, 
you know, it really wasn't all that fun. But and just so the weather doesn't really weigh out. The, the, the weather was really like if I would. Yeah, yeah weather, weather's one day. thing, but like lifestyle and the way things are is one thing. I get it. Yeah. Moving on. You play that year. You only play 45 games. Did you get hurt? No, uh, I did for a short period of time. But so when I said in St. John's, I knew that it was, it was pretty much like the end of the line. Stockton like confirmed it. It was like, you're either going to Europe or that's it. Yeah, it was, you know, I was, uh, I was more of a, a big brother, you know, trying to, to yeah. a good pro for the younger kids and, and, and a mentor, you know, and mixing a game a week kind of, kind of thing. Like, you know, you weren't, you weren't playing every night. That's for sure. I wasn't, I shouldn't say you weren't, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I understand. I never got to play at all in that league. So I get it. Yeah. But you know, it was, it was, it was no, fun. like, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you know where you stand, right. With people yeah. and how they treat you and like where you are with them. It, it's pretty simple to read. I think usually yeah, no, it, it was fine. They weren't, uh, they weren't dishonest about it. And, and I was fine with, with where it was. And it was just time for, for me to, to look overseas. And so, okay. So then how do you end up in Belfast? Were there other, any other options? Um, um, there was, um, yeah, there was in the UK for sure. I, well, I definitely didn't... like if you're going to Belfast, you could pretty well go yeah, anywhere in the I, UK. I didn't, I didn't actually start looking, uh, till kind of a little bit later. I, I shouldn't say later, but it was, were you one of those guys that wanted to keep doing the North American thing? No, I just, um, I don't think I really, no, I, I just wasn't really sure. Then that's kind of why I wanted to get into being a player agent is because I wasn't really sure how to get over there. I, you know, I didn't know, um, who the, who the best guy was or, or what, what the leagues were all about. You, you just, you just don't have enough information that, you know, who knows where you're going to fit. And my North American agent said, you know, I don't think you're a European player. And I said, well, okay. I don't think you're a European agent. So I wasn't, I wasn't asking for you to get me there. I was just telling you that I'm no longer staying here. Um, but I, I just didn't know what my options were. So I, I kind of, I didn't ha have, I guess the, the pursuit of, of whatever leagues I should have been going at, but um, by the time. Well, and like for me, I, I had no clue. I had zero idea about anything. All I knew is I didn't want to go to the, an East coast AHL deal, or I didn't want to go to just the East coast deal. And they're, they send me like the deal for the year. And like, you're on the team for the year. And uh, it's like the same as an AHL contract. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. So, um, so that's the second league of Germany, but like when you don't know, like you don't know where you're going, you don't know much about anything. Like, People would have to start podcasts for people to know about this shit, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, you're, you're saving lives almost. Jeez, man. People might start reaching out saying they want me to be their agent because I got all these pipelines to places. No, I don't think they're going to do that. Really? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> um, fine. Yeah, so it was okay, I'm not an agent. That's fine. 
I had, um, I'd always planned on doing the master's route at one stage, but that was kind of, I was thinking I was going to go play in Europe, like Germany for, for example, and then finish my career in the UK and do my master's and, and that would kind of be it. Um, the more I, well, when I kind of saw the opportunity in Belfast um, and Chris Higgins, uh, who I played with in Vegas as well, um, he was kind of the one that really uh, talked me into it. And the more I thought about doing the school, it just kind of, it felt like it was time to, to start, you know, really looking towards doing something else, you know, because it, it became, well, I guess when you get to 30, you start to realize that this, this thing you've been doing isn't going to last forever. You look around and guys you were playing with five years ago, they're not playing anymore. And it's like, you know, it's a bit of a reality check and you better either be ready for it or you're going to get slapped in the face when it happens. You're right. There's that's uh no, it was a good decision to go there and do that. Um, I mean, yeah, there's no other way. You got to be ready for the next step because it's not always that easy for everybody. And you get so into what you're doing as a hockey player and um, like trying to make it and trying to make, get the next contract and score more goals and win more games. And you don't even think about the rest of life, right? You're all, you're so into your own thing. And, you know, and it's not like you have, you know, if everyone had uh, like 30, if you got to 35, that's when it stopped, but you, you don't have that, you, you know, some guys are 31, some guys are 32, some guys get to 40, you just, you don't have like a specific expert. It's all about different, like what opportunities you have outside of hockey, what you don't have outside of hockey, what your education is, what your parents have done, what like, there's so many different factors into how many, I used to tell people you played hockey until it didn't make sense anymore. And that's kind of what it is. But then there's also guys that don't get asked back, right? That's, you also don't get asked back and then it's time to turn the page. But then there's also times where the, like the real hard decisions are where you still do get uh, offered back and you still do get contracts and it's hard to turn the page on playing a game for a living. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would assume that that's probably the better scenario of the two though. Like, you know, it's better to have, I agree. Better to have options. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you go to Belfast and that's an awesome city and great rank. Tell me about your experience in Belfast. It was fantastic. It was, uh, I, I listened actually to uh, a bit of Alex Foster's um, interview while the parts that weren't cutting out or, or freezing. That, that wasn't the shed, was it? I hope not. No, <laughs> we're hardwired in now, but we weren't then. Um, yeah, it didn't we, happen with anybody else, though, did it? So I guess we're well, okay. that was the first one I listened to, and yeah, I didn't know. Maybe the thirty before that was happening. I it didn't know. That was the only one. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's his. Fault. It was him. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, yeah, pretty it sure. Other than Rob um, Collins, but that was Huron Tell's oh. issue. That's my internet provider's issue. They they sucked up to that one. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, like we've been flying high right now. We're doing good here. Um, oh, this is great. Yeah. Uh, not nobody's no, even froze yet. Hardly. Belfast was great. The uh, the rink was awesome. We lived in uh, Unreal Apartments downtown. Um, Are you right down by the arena and like the Titanic thing? I, I was my second, third year. My first year, I was actually just right across the bridge like right across from the bars like I actually couldn't believe it I I tried to get the same apartment the next year but they were like that was just that was much well (laughs) they're probably like we were just trying to try to rope you in (laughs) now you got to live out in the suburbs (laughs) no the no the apartments both by the rank and the titanic quarter are awesome and the one I was in my first year were were both really good like you know you're so are you sharing with dudes my first year, yeah, I yeah, I did all three all three years. I, I shared a room, yeah. Um, the majority of guys that don't have families there, obviously, everyone. Well, why wouldn't you, right? Like, what yeah. else are you gonna do? Yeah, and you know, we would we would share like shared vehicle. You know, we were going to practice the same time every day together, and we were back home at the same time, and we never really. Outside of that, you would go to the, we would drive to the practice rink, which was a bit of a drive, and we do groceries once a week. Other than that, we were downtown, so we didn't we didn't need to drive anywhere. We would. Well, it seems like an awesome city, man. Like when I was there place. for the brief time, like just walking around, there's so much to do, right? Like a, a really really cool city, beautiful, little little rainy, which got a little bit old, but. Compared to compared to like a Canadian winter, like there was no snow. Like it was it was cold and windy. Same as in Cardiff, man. It rained all the time, but there was no real snow. You didn't have like you didn't have a winter jacket. No, I I, just you know complain about the winter. I'm like, this isn't winter. This is like it's inconvenient. But this is rain. (laughs) Yeah, this is just fine for me. Like. Yeah, we, we got treated really well. Like the city was great. Um, the travel sometimes got a little bit tough because we would we would take the ferry to Scotland quite a bit. And then, you know, we had to fly everywhere. Uh, you know, so it, that was kind of good and bad. You get a lot of time at the hotel with, with, the, with the guys. You know, we would usually play Saturday, Sunday, or we'd play Saturday at home, fly Sunday morning play sunday afternoon and then stay overnight so we would we'd have It'd be totally different people. playing on that island compared to cardiff right it was so different seeing the schedules like you know the amount of overnight games or stays we had in the hotel with belfast compared to like cardiff or sheffield it was it wasn't even comparable like right you know the the travel schedules are vastly different and you know, when you had, but what do you do? Right. Like there's, there's nothing to do or you one on an Island and then, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. And they, you know, they, they make it as workable as it is on an Island, right? Like I'm not (laughs) sounding really stupid. If the UK fans are listening to this, they might be like, this guy is. Nope. You nailed it. Wally. It's see how educated I am folks. That's the Met. Andrew Hotham, don't talk about the Met like that ever again. Was and he was he uh, trashing Met? 
Well, he just talked about, I don't know, someone plagiarizing papers and then him cheating Ooh, off Renty? of me. No, no, this was way before you guys. This was when we were the first year in the Met. Yeah, it was, it was like the Wild West out there. The problem, the problem with Benty is he had to go to school with Dicko. So they couldn't, you know, it's not like they were going to, you know, plagiarize each other's paper. They would have both. I, I it, It's got to be so fun. Like each year with who goes to do the NBA, like the, it was me, Marshy and Hotham that did it together. And we had a hoot and like, we'll be connected forever for that season. And Benty and uh, Deco and whoever the other guy was that did it. Like, Later don't remember it. those days, right? Like, yep, it's fun. Did, who'd yep. you do it with in Belfast? There was there was a bunch of us. So, so the program I did it with, I did it with Whistle, which the uh, goalie is he? Is he you? I didn't think he? Whistle had graduated high school and he was doing a master's. So I guess that kind of tells you what that piece of paper means. But uh, my first year. Um, there's quite a few guys in, in Belfast that, that do the program, but my first year, Saviano, uh, Martinelli, Alex Foster, me and Whistle were both in it. Um, well, Foster says he's only half done. <laughs> that was my first year. He, we exactly, forgot talking about that. He right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't return for the second half. But Martinelli and Saviano did. Um, who else did it? There was uh, Cole Jarrett did part half. of it yeah he did half um i don't know there's probably like six or seven guys each year that are, are doing there's that many guys uh, yeah some guys are doing the nba i was in the sports management like there's there's a couple different options i think cardiff and, and for the most part most teams they don't have a ton of spots in the university so it's no, like I remember Cardiff had three. I don't know what yeah. it is now, but um, I think it's maybe that's why maybe over. that's why Belfast had six or seven because only three would get to finish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but if you can kind of, if you can get guys in, it's such a. It's well, it such helps a the team so much. Like that's the only reason I went to the UK was for the NBA. Only reason. It's uh it's a huge advantage over some of the other leagues. And I think guys that are playing now are starting to really realize how much more, like, like 50,000 euros playing in Germany or whatever, that money is more or less gone within, you know, a year. It doesn't take long. <laughs> it doesn't take long. No, but, you know, but an MBA is there forever, right? It's good. Like the value of that is, it's just never taken away from you. If you, if you kind of, if you put the time into it, it's just, you can, you can put that on your resume and you'll actually get a, a phone call for an interview. No, you're yeah. right. And then the, yeah. And it, yeah. If you get the opportunity, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, okay. I tried to see if there were any fun questions from your Belfast time, but I texted Patty Dwyer. And I'm like, you got anything to ask him? He goes, not really. He's a great dude. Tell him I say hi. So, <laughs> I, so that didn't work. <laughs> so that didn't work. Um, so Patty yeah. says hi. How do you know Patty? Um, I went to university with him for three years. 
Oh yeah, both Western boys. Okay. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I know Patty well. He's he's a Potter. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he, oh I he he was early days, man. Yeah, he's like in the twenties or thirties, I think. He's uh, he was a nasty player. That's for sure. He was sick, uh, and a good dude, man. He was he was funny. He had a good time. I think his his one year over there. Um, but Kazu is a good little town. We would go up there and were the and, Ferris boys coming up. Oh yeah, we were coming. You were up. coming to Kalamazoo. You were coming to our stomping grounds, the Bulldogs. We were coming in and doing whatever we wanted. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Really? Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't blame you because I've been to your town for uh, a Sugar <laughs> King thing. Yeah. I'd be coming to fucking Kalamazoo too because that yeah. place sucked. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At Kalamazoo was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. One of, You're right. You're right. Of, and you uh, probably were doing whatever you wanted because we, it was a great time. It was, yeah, it was a good time. We went down there probably, we'd go down there every spring because a lot of the guys on, on our team were uh, like from Detroit area. Or, and so they, they know a work. guy, right? Yeah. 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 And a buddy of mine played at Western when I was there. You know, everyone kind of has connections so we we went down there a few times it's a sweet place okay we're getting sidetracked because the fans have been waiting for a long time so we're gonna make them wait a little bit longer um winning in belfast like you guys won it all right with patty dwyer right are you the captain yep so you were the assistant captain a lot in the hl that would have been like is it, it's kind of got to be kind of cool to be named the captain of like a team in Europe. Like people don't forget that shit. Right. Yeah, it was cool. It was, uh, it, it was a, yeah, it was a good honor, especially because the year before I'd played with Kiefer who was, you know, he was obviously a and he's your teammate and then he becomes the coach and he says, this is the captain. That's pretty cool. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, it, it means a lot in that sense, you know, cause I had, so much respect for Keith and it for should and uh just knowing that he was putting that much trust in me with his first year of coaching to kind of help him navigate the room was was you know it was a big honor for sure and it yeah it meant a lot and it should no that's that is a huge honor it's the same as uh lordo doing that for tyson marsh and cardiff when he was the player coach and like Marsh, he didn't want to be the captain. He's like, I'm doing school. I got enough going on. And like the players were like, no, you are the captain. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's just the way it is. <laughs> so I, I get it. But um, so you guys win it. Um, what was it like? Did you guys win it when you weren't playing? Yep. The yep. Patty told me that, right? You guys were just at like an awards night and then Cardiff loses and like, <laughs> As Canadian hockey players and how effed up the UK league is that it's just the league is the biggest thing. And that's the biggest thing for all the fans and all that to win it when you're not even playing and you're at an awards night at the end of the season, like that's gotta be kind of different. No. Well, I guess I didn't know it any other way. So (laughs) so I guess it was, yeah, probably very different, but I hadn't won anything until then. So that was your first time. Well, we, we won the challenge cup the year before, but that was, that was, uh, 
first trophy yeah challenge um, cups count that's all i had absolutely and up, up until the, this awards banquet i was like counting it more than anything else that's ever counted before but um it, it was almost like we didn't like we just didn't even consider that it was a possibility that cardiff would like lose, lose that game. game or just get it to overtime that's all they had to do was just get it to ot so like you know we we were we were pretty proud of the season we had you know we had a good team and you know we just ran out of, out of time basically i think if there was another five games we probably thought we would have got over the hump but it just wasn't going to happen and I don't know. We just kind of checked the scores partway through the game. And it was almost even then you're like, okay, I've seen, yeah, this, yeah. You know, I've seen this story before. And like, they'll turn it around. Exactly. Like it'll get to the third period and they'll yeah. probably win five to one. Don't but, count your eggs. You know? And honestly, until like, I don't know, I guess until we were celebrating, like it was still, it still felt no. like they were probably going to win the game. And you're not even – that's what's so bizarre to me is that you're you're not even playing a hockey game. Like, you've grown up playing best of seven series and you're playing the playoffs. And then when I hear that story of you guys, like, at an awards ceremony and you're not even playing a game and then you find out you're the winners, it's like, is that – that's I, – I guess that's real. Like even the, I don't know, one of the first interviews or conversation, I said, this is going to be, this might be the only time something like this ever happens. It's just like, it's bizarre. Such a bizarre thing. But it was, it was cool at the same time because our entire, like our entire fan base was there kind of, you know, like our biggest supporters were there because the, the awards banquet, everyone. But yeah, the, yeah, the, the best fans, the most passionate ones, the ones that are even friends with the players that come and have drinks with you. And yeah, I know the people they're in the card. If you got to know them. Um, So I get it. You guys won. Okay. So I also know Todd Kelman and I also know he's a smart, intelligent man. And I have a feeling that he was like, that guy is the heart and soul of the Belfast Giants. He is the guy that got them to beat us. And I'm going to take him. And he did. You think he was thinking that? I know he was. Addition by subtraction, maybe. What do you mean? <laughs> is that what that is? No, that's what he did. He was like, I'm going, I, is, that, is that math? What'd you say? <laughs> you're an nba guy <laughs> addition by subtraction yeah <laughs> uh no but seriously like he like i i know what he was doing and i bet you he had like the night you side with cardiff i bet you that boy had a night because <laughs> oh, i know him it was uh how'd it go down tell me your story how does it go down why tell me tell me the whole thing i want to know because um i think kurt taught 
twad Kelman that won't retweet anything about the podcast. Um, oh, he's giving I, you I, no I, love? Nothing. Curve Devils give me nothing. I'm almost a Sheffield Steeler fan now because they retweet stuff about the podcast and their fans are getting into it. And Twad won't do anything. Yeah, that's because you had Simsies on though, and he's he's running the social media, right? So that well, doesn't rumor has it Todd is too, but they just keep passing it by. No retweets since this started. He hasn't invited Todd on, so maybe that's he's been on. Has he been on? Oh god, yeah. Oh yeah. This thing keeps happening, man. Whether you like it or not, twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but seriously, tell me the story. So yeah, Todd, uh, he yeah, took their heart and soul. He, he reached out, um, season's over. You just won it. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit after I was actually on a little vacation after the season because we, after the season or after we won the trophy, we still, as you know, have playoffs in the UK. So we still had to play we played Coventry the next weekend who had just handed us the trophy because they beat Cardiff the week before. And, and then we still had to play the final four the following weekend. And we still played, we played Cardiff again in the playoff final. Um, So it was still, you know, I don't know, maybe three weeks, a month after the trophy, um, that I'd end up signing. So it was, it was quite a while after we'd actually won the league, but you you had to have had offers to stay as the captain of Belfast giants. Didn't quite get there, but yeah. Preliminary talks were like, do you want to come back? Yeah. Oh, like Kiefer was great to me and Thorts as well. And they, they would have had me back. I, I assume I had a, I had a second year option of a contract that I had to turn down before I signed with Cardiff. Okay. So you had the option. So they're probably sitting there thinking he might take the option and then Todd swoops in. Yeah. And you know, the owners and Todd, well, they are who they are. And then once you meet them and you're like, yeah, no, yeah. Right? Yeah. And they, you know, they gave me a, an offer that, you know, I wasn't going to turn down at that stage of my career. So I was, I was happy to, you know, originally talk to them and, and see, you know, where they were at with things. And, you know, it, it progressed pretty quickly. Like I, I think they, they gave a, a really fair offer that I wasn't going to turn down and well i i i don't i i don't know what it would be doesn't matter because it's the uk league it's really not that much money exactly you know it really isn't that much but i remember um after the night i was in cardiff i got tied up at the rink with some people for a while and you guys have been out and then I finally ran into you guys at the end of the night. It was you and Dicko standing at a or sitting at a table. And I came up to chat with the old boys that, you know, kind of my era a little bit somewhat. And uh, and I was like, I and I thanked you. I was like, you know, you leaving Belfast to come here, like it 
it like look at what they just did for me bringing me over like i think it's great that i mean it it i i mean what they do for people but like i get your side like you love belfast too like you have no nothing bad to say about that right it's just uh just a decision right like yeah and i mean there was there was more to it i i knew McMonagle was was gonna sign there and and he was one of my good buddies i knew Hadadi um and a lot of the guys in belfast were either retiring or or were moving on so the whole team it was, was changing it was turning over yeah and it, it kind of it, it sucked, but like a lot of the guys that I'd played with weren't going to be there. Like Shields retired, Patty Dwyer retired, uh, you know, Kendall McFall didn't come back. Rochi and Murph both went to Europe. Uh, Besco went to Europe, who was my roommate at the time. Um, you know, it was, it was just going to be a completely new team. And. Oh, I, but like for me, what I thought it was cool was that like, I know Todd and I know like he wants to win and he knows why teams win and he picked you out and he was like, they win because of him. And I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get him. And that's why the Cardiff devils win is because they know what wins. And I met you for one night for like a few minutes. And I'm like, this dude's a leader. This guy is like, just, I could just tell just. Yeah. But the, I mean, the, the bigger reasons we want are our guys like Besco who, you know, Todd wasn't going to be able to sign, <laughs> you know, Murph scored 50 goals. He was, he was going to Europe. So he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to sign them, you know? So, you know, like I said, you can say what you want. <laughs> yeah. So of all, the I don't guys, even know who they are. I know who you are. <laughs> they were yeah, that's just I, kidding. Just kidding. Them. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, I, I had known Lordo, like I said, I played against him in junior and their, uh, their pedigree for winning was like pretty evident over that time. Uh, and they had that core group, like with Marty and Haddaddy and Fournier and Dicko and, and then their Brits, Downsy, they were all, yeah, Richie Myers, like those guys, it, it was like, it was a team that was going to stay together. So I was going to sign for two years and you know hopefully play out longer than that and i was i would have been with that group you know yeah yeah the the turnover in in belfast was tough especially when you're the captain like it's it's tough like to start it all over again i totally yeah yeah, i know i do know so you know it was obviously a tough decision but it wasn't just like you said it wasn't it wasn't life-changing money like no one in the uk is retirement I, like I said, I had to throw a resume together the second I got back. To pretty Canada. quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty quick. Yeah. You got to uh, throw that resume together pretty quick when you've been in the UK league. Doesn't matter how much you made. <laughs> you know, if you're looking at um, like complementary cities like Cardiff and Belfast are quite similar, like same size kind of city, downtown's quite similar. Um, you know, Belfast would definitely get the nod for the live music and, and the pub scene, but Cardiff probably gets them on Chippy Lane. <laughs> you know, well, they they both have their 
their you know, things they, and like it's uh and like then the travel like you talked about and mm-hmm. they each have their own things but like the top teams are the top teams every year and they do have a lot to offer but you don't retire after so no, no they don't have that much to offer so uh, you do go to cardiff and uh I don't have much written down about that other than you play for the league, which means every game matters like it's game seven of the playoffs, but they let you and you do make the Spengler cup. So you would have missed some games that they think are game seven and they let you go. And I think it's really cool that you made the team because then at my desk at work, I get to tell people I'm like, that dude's a Cardiff devil. Like I played for them and he's in the Spengler cup. So thank you. Well, yeah. Thank. Yeah. Like you said, thank Lordo and, and Todd. They were, uh, I mean, they were more excited for it than I was at the time. Cause I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how to approach them. Cause like how did said, it come about? Um, so it, I got a phone call and I've grown up and trained in Kamloops um, and Shane Doan has always spent his summers here. Um, always trained together with the same trainer. Um, ended up being, you know, a pretty good friend of mine. And um, he ended up being a part of the management team for, for team Canada. Um, and I guess he had told um, some people you know, my trainer and uh, some other friends here that he was, he was going to try and get me there if he could. And they had a couple injuries and he just told um, Sean Burke, who was the GM. He said, I, you know, I got a guy in Cardiff that'll come in and be a good team guy. And, um, you know, be someone that'll really enjoy the experience and be a good uh, 14th, 15th forward for us. Um so I played the game, I think, right before our Christmas break. And, you know, when the QK, the Christmas breaks, like maybe three days, maybe four days. Maybe two. Maybe two. <laughs> yeah, with Lordo, usually you got to practice like yeah. Yeah. Christmas morning. Lordo's <laughs> at the ring. You're opening presents with Lordo. And uh, he, he called me after the game, and we were actually, the whole team was just going to a Christmas party um, that we had set up downtown and, you know, he basically said, we got a flight for you tomorrow. If, if you're ready to go. And I, I was completely like shocked. Uh, so you're, know. where are you? Sorry. I, we just played a home game in Cardiff. I think we just played. And the devils don't know about it. They didn't know anything about it. No, he, he called my my cell phone, and we were just like hustling out of the room to go and load and who up. Who called your cell phone? Donor. Donor, yeah. And so as we're trying to get everyone like uh, saddled up to get on the bus to go to this team party, I got this call and I went right into Lordo's office. He was still he was probably just getting into breaking down the video from that night's game and yuck. <laughs> <laughs> fucking video good god that's disgusting i i just told him kind of the call i got and he like his face lit up man I, he he was like he's he, so you know what i'd say about lordo though 
is he pushes everybody to the max. Like he really does. He tries to push everybody to the max, but that guy has a good heart and wants everybody to do as best as they can in hockey. Right. He, he could not have been happier for me. Like Exactly. He would have been so jacked. Right. Like, Like honestly, he, and it was the most genuine, like, you know, he couldn't have been more excited to have me tell him that news, which is pretty cool. And he, he was like, you gotta go. He's like, you absolutely gotta go. And I was like, I was like, man, thank you. Yeah. Like I'm going to miss like four games. He's like, I'll call, call Todd right now. Let him know. And uh, perfect. Todd, Todd was as accepting and, um, both super happy for so you know pretty cool because as you say like those games are so important at that time and and the games are so like they're just crushed right in on the schedule in between christmas and new year's and it's like well that's the thing right they do put on a lot of games during the holidays because fans are off yep. work and then you're going there and just sipping glue-vide and hanging out in the bouts in switzerland but like you deserve it. And that's really freaking cool, man. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, like I said, not some I was expecting at all. And, um, <laughs> we had me and my girlfriend went to the, to the Christmas party and we, you know, we had to stay for like a drink and go pack. Like we had to go pack, grab all our stuff and like straight to the airport, uh, travel the whole next day, almost missed our flight to, uh into switzerland and like yeah it was cool um so you guys end up winning it too eh and like i've seen the pictures like all the families they're out there playing pond hockey like is it all what it tsn makes it out to be or what uh yeah i mean it, it was a little different for us because we were pretty last minute a lot of a lot of those guys uh so hockey canada will uh, cover you and like your significant other spouse, wife or uh, whatever. Uh, so for hotel and, and for flights. And then if you want to get extra tickets or flights, you can, but it's at your expense. So a lot of those guys uh, know in advance that they're going to be on the team. Most of the guys are Canadian guys that are playing in the Swiss A-League. Um, you know, so that's kind of their Christmas holiday oh, yeah. they'll, they'll fly, fly their families and and stuff over and uh put them up in the hotel and it's it's a cool vacation but yeah it was just me and my girlfriend um yeah and, and i was just going there like you know donor told me he's like just come in as a spare forward and you know basically enjoy the experience um so i was like perfect like no problem well, I, mean, I tell you i had no problem telling people at work that that guy played for the Cardiff devils I, I had no issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the first, you know, the first practice I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm just going to fly under the radar. And uh, Christopher Steeg came down with like a crazy flu and didn't show up to practice. And it turns out he's a right winger, uh, half wall guy. First half wall guy half wall guy and you run the power play in the Spangler cup 
No, I didn't. But my first practice, I did because nice. you know because they have all the lines set. And, and yeah, and you gotta you gotta to, pretend to be him. Yeah, so I'm taking all the first line rushes, and you know I'm just trying to come there and yeah, just 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 fit in, just blend just be in. there, just be there. <laughs> you just want to be there. I get it. I did. I totally get it. So luckily, that was only for that morning's practice he was back the next day but yeah like a couple injuries happened a bunch of guys got got that same flu the first Steve had and i ended up playing like i find two. it interesting talking to all the guys that had you know the careers we had because like you're a good player man and like for todd to do what he did to try and figure out a way to take the heart and soul out of belfast and like it was working like he would there you guys were going to win the championship and then you would have won the next year um so like he wasn't wrong um i just find it interesting that like when you talk about yourself you're like well i didn't want to be there for this or that it's like none of us that ended up where we did really had a deep belief in ourselves that like we're as good as these guys. Like we can play with these guys, but then sometimes you get on the ice with them and you're like, yeah. fuck, he's better than me. <laughs> like he is way taller uh, than me. He's way uh, better looking than me. And he is way faster than me. And I'm like, uh, that's shit, what... I can't play with that. Yeah. yeah, And it actually feels better. You're like, you know what? Uh, I am who I am. Yeah. I was, I was awfully close. I just wasn't quite tough enough. I wasn't quite fast enough. And I just, you know, I just wasn't quite good enough. So you had your own things. I had my own things, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's better than like blaming someone else. Exactly. It's like, you you are who you are. right? (laughs) You just weren't quite good enough. Yeah. No. And um, that you got to do that, man. That's, that's a life experience that you're going to take to the grave with you. You're going to be telling you can tell anybody about you played in the Spangler cup, man. Like that's not many people can say that that's pretty cool. Um, and I think you're the first, you gotta be the first EIHL player ever to do it because um, most teams probably wouldn't even want you to leave because they're trying to pay you to win those four games. Right. And yeah, uh, I think, uh, I think there'll, there'll be others. Um, yeah. The league's, well, keeps getting better, right? It's it's getting better. There's there's a lot of good players coming through there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, as a fan, I'll be I'll be cheering for for Belfast and Cardiff. Um, well put. As long as well put. Night. To, uh, well well done there with the cheering for Belfast and Cardiff. That's good. That's yeah. fact, man. I played for both. Uh, we would have won it in Cardiff. One, you know, we won it in Belfast. Had a lot of good memories in both places, so we kind of got robbed a little bit of, a, of the year in Cardiff. We were uh, we were on I, our way. I, no, I agree, and I think uh, the naked guy in the locker room kind of really turned it around because you guys had that a rough it. start, hey. And like like for you to have gone from Belfast and you're on a new team, you're like, geez, why is things not going so well? And they're like, oh, there you go. There's the naked you guy. Needed some nudity. Boom, done. <laughs> yeah, first place. See that <laughs> Todd would have said that was the best money he spent in the offseason was <laughs> oh shoot. I bought enough Cardiff Devil swag that day. I paid for the flight <laughs> yeah, anyways. He's a businessman. Yeah, I know. He knows what he's doing. 
gosh darn it um no but i i'm trying to think like i think it's a great way to well not actually it's kind of weird yeah you ended it with the spangler cup which is the highlight probably i would think i don't know what what's the highlight of your career of all the cha- the championships you won spangler cup what, what do you think is the best thing you did uh i mean definitely the the league championship in belfast yeah oh yeah i mean the the spangler cup was it was cool it's a weekend right it's a week yeah it, it was yeah. cool to be a part of um you know it wasn't like i i tried out for this team and i was the best player that they had to take you know it was just it was a cool thing to be a part of uh kind of a feather but, but winning it and being the captain and it takes the full season i that's what i find cool about the uk league is is it takes the full season man you like you lose a couple games in fife and uh like back in the day edinburgh or wherever like that's the same that's the same as losing to the belfast giants or the sheffield steelers like it's the same loss and that shit gets exhausting yeah it's uh yeah so it was it was a full year grind and to have it end the way it did like and, and we had a wicked group like those uh, would have been more fun to win on the ice though i just i don't know i like part of no? me thinks yes but part of me says no I, I i don't know who knows we'll never know it was a fun <laughs> night though it was one of the funnest and the next night was fun too it i was understand a, Probably the one after that too. The only, you know what the only problem was, um, they couldn't have the league trophy in two places. So, <laughs> so it was there. It was in Coventry because they. So how long until you got it? Like another day. day. Yeah. But, you know. Hey, that that's that's fun. Days with the cup, having the cup, winning it—that's living. That's what hockey's all about. And a man like I I the reason I wanted to have you on was like I could tell in a very brief moment what you were and what you did over in that league. Um I didn't know about all the other shit you did till today. Um, but you helped teams win. Didn't matter what it was, whatever they asked you to be. You know, I thought I would have put you in front of the net because I've never seen you play, but you were a half old guy. So um, either wherever the coach is going to put you, you were going to do what it took to win and you helped. You were just a good teammate. And it's like I asked Pat Dwyer and he goes, he's just a good dude. I got nothing to say. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. That's fun. I'm going to quit digging. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's, uh, that's what it's about. You know, you're, you're playing on the team. Hopefully your teammates respect you and hopefully you're a good part of things. Right. It's not like, yeah, it's the most team driven sport. And I think that's kind of why I was able to transition to project management and start doing well at that. Cause it's. Well, and you're a leader too, team, right? You know? Like you're, it's, you're leading, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm happy you're doing well now, man. And that's great. Um, yeah. I, Thank you for coming on and uh, being episode, I guess, 63 today. 63 is the number. I think so. Man, she's been busy. but Well, I'm going to keep tuning in. These, uh, these are entertaining. 
Well, um, we got a busy got week. The pipeline. We got a busy week ahead with the kids and everything. So I'm not sure if I can slip one in until next Wednesday night, folks. So sorry, you're going to have to uh, re-listen to some old episodes or something because I, I, I'm busy with the kids till next Wednesday night with Chris Frank. Oh, Frank the Tank. You know Frank the Tank? I do know Frank the Tank. We've How do you uh, know Frank the Tank. We uh, we played against each other in the BC League. Uh, we played against each other when he was at Western when I was at Ferris, and uh, he was a Las Vegas Wrangler. That's right. Yeah. No. Geez. Um, he uh, he he played with me at Western. Um, I was a senior and he was a freshman, and uh, then. The first game I played against him in the UK, he tried to cross-check me in the face, and then he some kind of, like suplexed me or something. He's a thick boy. Well, and he kind of gets a little bit, you know, yeah. on the ice. Like he's like a different person. Like there's the guy off the ice, which I know he is now. Yeah. But then there's that other guy that I hope has been in the closet for a long time. I hope he's been. I hope he's gone. Yeah, I hope he doesn't show up next Wednesday because <laughs> he used to scare me. <laughs> well, he won't be in the shed with you, so. No, no. I, anyways, I can't wait to catch up with him. He's a beauty. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. Like, yeah, thanks, honestly, cool. I, I thought it was cool that you came to Curve Devils and, uh, you know, did that. But I didn't know the whole story, and I'm sure everybody will like hearing it. And I thought it was really cool you got to play in the Spangler Cup, and I didn't know the rest about you but it was nice getting to know you tonight so thank you yeah well yeah, this is fun we almost did like two and a half so there you go oh That'll shit really we better hit stop this has been another episode of two ales and hockey tales with uh riley and wally some people clap on a one and three some people clap on the two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott, it's time to go.